Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Yes, we will, friends, and that's the purpose of this program, Praying for America. Welcome, Christians, patriots from across this land, guests joining us from other countries, too. We welcome all of you, and we welcome you in the name of Jesus and in the name of his word, which we use to interpret the events of our times. We comment on the political events here, uh, but we pray over them as well. We interpret them in the light of the word. The Democrats will do anything to stop President Trump from becoming our 47th president. They are proving right before our very eyes that they will, as Newt Gingrich said recently, break any law, lie about any topic, and manipulate the system in any way possible to stop President Trump from becoming our president, even from becoming the nominee. Now, it's up to you and me to say enough of this nonsense. We're not going to take it, and we are going to be the ones to decide, we the people, who our nominee will be, who our president will be. I presume that most of of you are like me, supporters of President Trump. Some may be supporting others in the primary. We respect that, as we've always said. But the fact of the matter is that the people should be the ones to decide, not some kind of weaponization of government, not some kind of tyrannical takeover, not lawfare, which is warfare via the law, prosecutors who are engaged in election interference and prosecutorial misconduct, stretching and misapplying the law to do like the Soviet Stalinist Marxist communists do in in, uh, in imprisoning their political opponents. That's why many people are going to vote for President Trump they're gonna, they're, because they're going to say, I- I'm voting for him because that's how I want to stand up against this corruption. Simple as that. That's why his support continues to rise, despite the indictments. It's because of the indictments. People are saying, I want to stand against this corruption. How do I do it? Well, the most logical, simple, direct way to do it is to stand with the one who is the object of this wrong, tyrannical persecution, which is so antithetical to what America is all about. We've got to stand up. We've got to put a stop to this nonsense. The time is short, but we can still do it. We have got to... Declare an emergency here. That's what we want to talk about a little bit more tonight. The the, the eminently dangerous moment we are in in this country at this point in time, how the rule of law itself is under unprecedented threat. Um, Again, many are commenting about this. I want to do so as well. I want to pray about it with you. Uh, And as we pray now, I want to say a prayer from Psalm 94 The Lord will not forsake his people. You'll see, again, it has great application to what's going on in America here. And I want to pray for, of course, the people in Hawaii, the people of Maui in particular, who have been victims of this terrible disaster with the fires. We um, 
we have to, we have to, and we want to uh, pray for them and and their families and friends and all the people there. Uh, so let's lift them up to the Lord as well as we pray for for America. Psalm ninety four, O Lord God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O Judge of the earth. Repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked? How long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words, all the evildoers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. And they say the Lord does not see, the God of Jacob does not perceive. Understand, O dullest of the people. Fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord, knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, to give him rest from days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. For justice will return to the righteous and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Can wicked rulers be allied with you? Those who frame injustice by statute? They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my stronghold, and my God, the rock of my refuge. He will bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord our God will wipe them out. Let us pray. Father, we pray for America, which at this moment, is on the verge of what could be the most massive constitutional crisis since the 1850s, which is now in grave danger of the destruction of the rule of law, the destruction of the very principles of our legal system and our Western civilization and our founding documents. Lord, this is a moment of great danger because we are under great attack from people who have taken possession of many of the levers of power in our government. They have had possession of many of the instruments of our culture, the media, academia, but now more and more of them have their hands on the lever of government power and they are abusing it. They are weaponizing it. They are using it in a Marxist way to stop their political opponents, not through free and fair elections. They fear that, Lord God, because they know we are your people. But rather, they try to do it through unfounded prosecution and persecution. Lord, we, your people, will rise up. We, your people, will not stand for this 
evil. We, your people, have had enough. We, your people, take hold of this opportunity to educate our fellow citizens, to go to the voting booth, and to vote out these tyrants to oppose this party that has become evil and Marxist, this Democrat party. Help us, Lord God, strengthen us at this moment for this task. And Lord, as we come together to pray for America, we pray for one another's needs as well. And we want to pray, we want to pause here now, Lord, for a moment to pray for our brothers and sisters who have been afflicted in, in Maui by these terrible fires. Lord God, they, your people have not been well served and we ask for forgiveness for, on the part of those who in authority may have failed in their duties. We pray, Lord, for consolation for those who have lost friends and loved ones. We pray for uh, strength for your people to rebuild and to look to the future with courage. We pray for the generosity of your people to reach out and help one another at this time. Lord, one of the most beautiful places in the United States has been afflicted with these fires. And we ask, Lord God, that we, your people, may not be despondent, but rather renew our confidence and our trust in your providence and know that you, O oh God, can bring good out of evil, can bring triumph out of loss, can bring consolation out of sorrow, can bring peace out of deep, deep disturbance. Bless the people of Maui, bless the people of Hawaii, bless the people across these United States. Bless your people, the body of Christ, for it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so tomorrow is the debate. So we won't be having our program uh, tomorrow night. We want to invite you to follow Right Side Broadcasting Network's uh, coverage, pre-coverage of the debate and and, um, and then, of course, the debate will take place for the second-tier candidates. That's how I referred to it in my press release today. These are the second-tier candidates that are debating. The first tier, well, it's just one candidate who has an overwhelming majority of support right now, President Trump. And I believe, and I spoke to you about this before he made his decision, and, and uh, now that he has made his decision not to participate in the debates, plural, he said, it's not because he's running away from the people. He does just the opposite. In fact, the tomorrow night, and I want to urge you to watch President Trump. Don't bother with uh, watching the debates. Watch President Trump uh, and what he's going to say in his pre-taped interview with Tucker Carlson that's going to air on X, that is Twitter, right, now known as X. Watch that. And uh, you uh, watch that because that's going to be you know, another example of President Trump not running away from the voters, not running away from the issues, not afraid to confront uh, all the falsehoods out there about him and the legal prosecution and persecution that we just were, were re referring to. No, he's not afraid of any of that. Uh, the question is, why would he want to give the second tier candidates more exposure uh, uh, in order to uh, to do what? To attack him? Uh, as not, not to mention the, the moderators of the debate. No, he doesn't need that. He doesn't need to prove himself, brothers and sisters. He already has. He's been one of the most successful presidents in American history. He's proven himself well beyond all measure. Uh, you know, some, some candidates didn't even qualify for the debate stage. President Trump, on the other hand, is way, way, way qualified, way beyond 
uh, anything that any of these other people are because he's carried out successfully uh, the, do, the the job of a, of a president of the United States. He's the only one uh, in this group that has done that. And uh, he deserves to be uh, heard because of that. So people are not going to not going to question where he stands. We know where he stands. And he's going to articulate that again tomorrow night at the very same time that this debate will be uh, will be going on, even though the, the, the event on X as of the time and I'm talking to you now hasn't been um, specifically announced. Uh, it's ba- it's been it's been uh, uh, indicated to us that it'll be simultaneous with the Republican debate, which is scheduled for 9 p.m. Uh, tomorrow night. Ultimately, one of uh, President Trump's opponents in this race has said, ultimately, a movement can't be about the personality of one individual. Well, now, isn't that an interesting thing to say? When President Trump was inaugurated, he said, today is not about the transition of power from one party to another, but the transition of power from Washington, D.C. to the American people. That statement, which summarizes his mind and heart, which summarizes the MAGA movement, make America great again, means make the people great again, because the people govern themselves. That's where sovereignty rests. President Trump, more than anyone else, has shown that in word and in deed. It's amazing how the reality of the way he governs the policies he pursues, and the successes that he has achieved actually implements the very opposite of what some misguided people claim is a cult of personality. It's exactly the opposite. What has he been saying about this current race for the 47th presidents of the, of, of the United States? That we will become the 47th president. Have you heard him say that? You know what he means by that, right? The power belongs, the sovereignty belongs to us. And he keeps saying all these persecutions that are coming at him is, is because they're coming after us. They're coming after the sovereignty of the people because they're tyrants. They're all about power, these Democrats. Power, not principle. Power, not the people. Oh, they'll use the language of being for the people. It's garbage. They're for power. They're for tyranny. They're for taking away your sovereignty. It's garbage when they use these words about being for the people. Garbage. So when people say in criticism of the president, oh, well, you know, this, and, and criticism of our movement, oh, well, this can't be about the personality of one individual. What in the world are you talking about? It's about bringing freedom back to us. It's about restoring the rights of families to raise their children with school choice and and, and, uh, uh, people who are terminally ill to have the right to try and small businesses to flourish because he was the one more than anybody else who took away oppressive government regulations and the the rights of of people to grow in our economy, the, the strongest and most diverse economy in American history. President Trump brought that to us. And on and on it goes. It's about the people, not about a cult, a personality, an individual. He's the first one to affirm that this movement is about us, not about him. Those that don't recognize it, you know, is it because they're just incapable of understanding 
what this movement and, and is about and who this man is? Or is it because they're purposely trying to deceive us? Maybe to hold on to power for themselves. Either way, it's despicable. Either way, it's unacceptable. I want to go through a couple of the ways that our very rule of law is being threatened here. And I want to use, um, you know, a number of commentators have been talking about this recently, and particularly Newt Gingrich had a a great episode about this. I hope you'll follow his podcasts and Newt's World. Um, Robert Jackson, you familiar with that name? This was a a man who served on the U.S. Supreme Court. Franklin D. Roosevelt uh, appointed him to the court. He was also the uh, chief United States prosecutor of the Nazi war criminals at the trials of Nuremberg. So he played a very historic role. He also held the positions. It was the only one who held all of these positions of Supreme Court justice. Also U.S. Solicitor General and U.S. Attorney General. Uh, Robert Jackson um, died in 1954. Uh, What is it about him? Why do I bring him up? He gave an address in... um, 1940, about the role of the federal prosecutor. Because we're seeing in this persecution of President Trump, disguised as prosecution, the very dangers that Jackson warned about. And we are seeing a misuse of the whole prosecutorial system. Abuse of it. Now, Jackson pointed out, in fact, he warned the president, we've got too many laws. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. And this is an important point to bring up when we're talking with our friends and neighbors about what's going on here. What does he mean, we have too many laws? If you have a society where there are too many laws, then everybody can be prosecuted much more easily. For breaking a law, because I mean, the more laws you have, the greater the chances that wittingly or unwittingly, you and I are going to break some kind of law sometime. Maybe we don't even realize that it's happening, but you know, if a law has been promulgated, you you can't use the excuse, oh, I didn't know. The law's been promulgated, you have a responsibility to know. So the more laws that we have covering and regulating every aspect of our lives, the more likely every one of us is to be guilty. And it all depends not even on us as much as on the person who wants to go after us. And that's why it wasn't uh, Jackson. It was uh, much later, uh, Sol Wachtler in 1985 is the one who came up with the, uh, he was the chief justice of the New York State Supreme Court. And he said, a good prosecutor, any good prosecutor, can indict a ham sandwich. And this is what he was talking about. I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, indictments are the result of a one-sided process, as I've described to you before, the grand jury process is not adversarial. You don't have a defense. You only have the prosecution giving the evidence for his or her side. So you're almost always going to get an indictment as a result. It really doesn't mean much at all. But the fact of the matter is that you can indict a ham sandwich because of what Jackson said to Roosevelt. He said, look, we've got too many laws. How can anybody say he hasn't broken any laws? It all depends on if somebody wants to go after you bad enough. 
They'll dig and they'll dig and they'll search and they'll search. Find me the person, the Soviet minister said, and I'll show you the crime. All right, that's what's going on right now with President Trump. We've got to get it out of the heads of our fellow citizens, starting right now. Get it out of their heads that the fact that he's been indicted and even the fact that he could be convicted means nothing except that we're all under tyranny. And again, that's why President Trump is the man to support because he's the one saying, it's not about me, it's about you. It's about we the people. We are going to become the 47th president of the United States because we're not going to stand for tyranny anymore. The power belongs to us. doesn't belong to prosecutors. Prosecutors don't get the, to, to, to weigh in on elections. The elections are not supposed to be in the courts. Get the judiciary out of the 2024 elections. Get them out. That's why these trials, the, the, the Trump attorneys, and I'm confident that this is exactly what they're preparing to do, will file all kinds of motions. And, and, you know, in the court system, it's not that difficult to get, you know, a trial pushed further and further into the future. That's why these, you know, these trials go on for years, these proceedings go on for years and years and years in the court system. Uh, it's not because of incompetence necessarily uh, or a lack of personnel, although sometimes those things can, 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 can influence the situation. But it's because, you know, you, you, you have rights. Everybody has rights. And so you can assert those rights and say, hey, we need more time to prepare our defense. We need more time for this or for that. And so no doubt they're going to introduce all kinds of motions. And uh, it's only right that these trials, if they're going to occur at all, occur after the election. Let the American people be the judges. It's, it's, we're voters. We're not jurists. We're voters. Let us vote. And then... The process, uh, the legal process can, 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 can take place if it needs to take place. But the fact of the matter is that, okay, anybody can be, uh, you know, um, these prosecutors have a lot of power. They can select any citizen they want to be investigated, indicted, uh, prosecuted. You know, this is, uh, this is a serious, serious amount of, of power. And so you see the Soros strategy kick in here. What's the Soros strategy? It's like, well, okay, I have some money. I want to influence uh, who becomes president of the United States. But, gee, you know, it takes an awful lot of money to really have an impact on a presidential race. But it takes a relatively small amount of money to get a, uh, a DA in, 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 into office, like in New York City, Alvin Bragg. Or in, in uh, Atlanta, this, this utter disgrace of a clown Fanny Willis, or, or to get somebody, you know, get these people, get these Soros, get these communist prosecutors in place and district attorneys and whatever else you want to call them, and let them use lawfare. Never mind about the votes, never mind about trying to influence millions of voters. This is the Soros mindset. Influence who can indict the ham sandwiches. Influence who can go through all these laws and show me the man and I'll show you the crime. And this way here we can stop the people that we don't want in public office. You see what's going on here? This is this. Jack Smith. Let's look at that clown for a moment. That disgrace of a man. 
Jack, you know, would you do, do us all a favor, please? Get on the next plane to Africa, Europe, Asia. You choose. You choose. Just, just, would you please just get out of our midst? This man is a disgrace, and he's been a disgrace for a long time. Now, you've heard this, but I want to go delve into it a little bit, uh, little bit more. And uh, thanks to uh, uh, Newt Gingrich for bringing this quote to our attention the other day. Um, you know, Jack Smith has had a lot of history of stretching the law beyond recognition, misapplying the law. He's doing it again now to President Trump. Of course, the Democrats want. They found their guy here who knows how to twist the law into a pretzel. Disgrace of a man. So he had, among his other failures along the way of his disgraced career, that he should be very ashamed of, he had um, convicted the uh, former governor of Virginia, McDonald. And in in that case, okay, many saw that his conviction was outside all reasonable bounds of the law. So without getting into the weeds of the the case, it was appealed all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And 77 former attorneys general, 77 of them, wrote a friend of the court brief asking the Supreme Court to vacate this conviction that was obtained through disgraced and disgraceful Jack Smith And uh, here's what they said in the brief. Now listen to 77, former attorneys general, looking at what Jack Smith did in 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 this prosecution of the former governor of Virginia. Here's what they said. The expansive interpretation of federal law under which he was prosecuted and on which his convictions were based is erroneous. It is completely alien to any legal advice that any of us would have given to any governor of Virginia. Moreover, that expansive interpretation, if allowed to stand, would wreak havoc upon participatory democracy. Now listen to that phrase again, because then I'm going to give you some examples here. Would wreak havoc upon participatory democracy by casting a shadow of federal prosecution and imprisonment across normal participation in the democratic process. Wow. 77 former attorneys general said that regarding Jack Smith's prosecutorial misconduct and and just plain stupidity in regard to the Uh, conviction of the former governor of Virginia. You know what the Supreme Court did? It unanimously vacated the conviction. It unanimously rebuked Jack Smith. Unanimously saying that he gave, that he acted improperly and he gave improper instructions to the jury in that particular case. And here's the guy now bringing against President Trump this uh, ridiculous uh, indictment regarding the, well, first of all, regarding the, the, the Mar-a-Lago documents where he did nothing wrong. The president has the authority to do what, what he did. And secondly, the January 6th 
uh, the whole January 6th incident, claiming that because of speech, he somehow broke the law, that somehow, and this is where that case and the, the Fannie Willis case intersect and overlap, by speaking out about one's concerns regarding an election, somehow that becomes criminalized. Now, this is where the words of these attorneys general from the Virginia case apply in a particular way. You put a chill, if you're going to start punishing things, political dissent in America, you're going to start punishing people for saying that they don't like the outcome of an election or they think it was, it was wrongly, uh, wrongly assessed or they think there was fraud. I mean, first of all, we have the right to think and say those things. But what the effect is of starting to punish those things is that you have a, a chill on participating in democracy. Look, for example, at the attorneys. Now here we, 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 we have the fact that President Trump's attorneys are being prosecuted as well. And we've seen this before, and we see this in these indictments, and we see some of them, like Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis, who work closely with the president in dealing with the elections of 2020, the aftermath, the investigations, the, the, the evidence of fraud. Uh, we see them named in this indictment. For what? For thinking that we had a problem and calling on, 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 on the states to investigate it? Is that, that's a crime now in America? The Democrats have done the same thing. But you see, this puts a chill now on, first of all, let's think about the attorneys themselves. If you have to have an attorney for something, okay, you need to be protected legally or you need advice uh, so that you don't get into legal trouble. Your attorney has to give you the best and the most honest advice possible. Your attorney needs to be free to speak to you, and you need to be free to speak to him or her. Absolutely free. Without worrying that something that you say is going to be tried later on in a court of law, or that you're going to be punished for it. And yet that's what Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis now are, are facing in this ridiculous indictment coming out of uh, Atlanta. And not only that, but other attorneys, too, are finding that now these tyrannical Democrats are, 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 are abusing and, and disrespecting even the attorney-client privilege. What you ask your attorney, what you tell your attorney, what your attorney tells you, that is privilege. You know, we as, as Catholic uh, uh, priests practice this when somebody comes to us in the sacrament of confession. What they say is absolutely sacrosanct cannot be repeated to anybody under any circumstances, no exceptions whatsoever. And so the attorney-client privilege is similar. It's not quite as absolute as the seal of confession in, in, in Catholicism, but it is, it is very similar. And the only exception, and this is what they're trying to, what they're trying to use, is called the crime-fraud exception. And, and, but here's the difference, because the difference is, is not hard to understand, and yet they are abusing this and, and mis, misapplying the distinction. If you go to your attorney and say, hey, listen, uh, here's what I did. Um, did I break the law? Or here's what, um, if, if I do A, B, or C, would I be breaking the law? 
that, that, that's got to be a question that you and I are able to ask and that the attorney is able to answer. The difference when it comes to crime fraud exception is if you say to your attorney, now here's what I'm planning to do and I need you to help me to break this law by doing A, B, or C. So in other words, now you're, bring, you're not asking your attorney legal advice for something you did, are doing, or, or, or might do in the future. You are actually deciding to commit a crime and inviting your attorney to be part of that. That's a very different thing. Let me see. Somebody uh, wrote an example here. Uh, you told me you robbed a bank yesterday. That's protected. You tell your attorney that. You tell me you want to use me to launder your bank robbery proceeds. That is not going to work. That is not protected. That's crime fraud exception. That can be revealed, in other words. We can't have the courts or the prosecutors just just going like a steamroller over attorney-client privilege. We can't have the courts putting attorneys on trial, arresting attorneys, indicting attorneys, because now they, the Democrats, are going to judge whether or not their advice was appropriate. This destroys, like I say, our country is at a critical moment right now. Because what these people are trying to do is to destroy the very integrity of the justice system. They're trying to destroy the protection we all have from things like attorney-client privilege. And they're trying to, to, to criminalize political dissent. One other example, the, 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 the attorney general in Michigan calling into question the alternate electors that were chosen by the Trump side of the, of the equation. But alternate electors, you know, in, in Florida, when the, 20, when the 2000 election was contested, I remember very well that election night living through all that. Al Gore had a slate of electors, as well as George W. Bush. An alternate slate of electors is not something criminal. It's not trying to defraud the election. And yet you have an 81-year-old woman in Michigan who was uh, one of the alternate electors for President Trump was perfectly legitimate when the results of the election in a state are close. You can have a slate of electors ready to step in to do their job in case the election is called for you. It's simply a preparation for an eventuality, for a possibility. It's not trying to defraud the election. My goodness, but they're not making this distinction anymore. Standing up and saying, I think the election was fraudulent and here's why, and I think the state should investigate it, and I'm going to present the evidence, is not wrong even for the candidate to say, well, what about Stacey Abrams? How many times? 33 times. She comes out and formally claims, oh, I, 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 didn't, uh, I, didn't, I didn't lose that election. Uh, I won that election. All right, where's the indictments against this disgrace of a woman? This utterly shameful excuse for a candidate, where excuse, shameful excuse, failure as a public servant, Stacey Abrams. Where, where's her? Where's her indictments? When's her trial date? After all, she she's trying to defraud people about the election, right? Trying to tell people she won when she didn't. 
Where, where's her, where, where's, where's the grand jury? Come on, folks. This is garbage. This week, I, it, it, uh, it, we're running out of time. I'm going to go into more of this. Uh, not tomorrow, but the next Thursday, Thursday night. Tomorrow, tune in to President Trump. But this is stuff that we have got to sound the alarm. And I know that you are sounding the alarm, and God bless you for doing so. Let's turn to the Lord and pray. Lord, this is, this is, these are things that really should have us uh, deeply concerned, and we ask you to give us the, the words to convey these concerns to our fellow citizens and to reclaim our authority over this nation. We, Lord God, we are the people who are sovereign. And we thank you for that gift, and we ask you to always help us preserve it. And we pray now, as Jesus taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. Thanks, friends. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Uh, consider supporting our work. We are at ProLifeGift.org, where you can call our main number, 321-500-1000, 321-500-1000, and learn how you can help us out. We are one of the largest pro-life groups in the world, and uh, we are obviously very, very much politically active and vocal. So thank you for what you do. And we will talk to you soon. Hello, this is Dr. Teresa Burke, the founder of Rachel's Vineyard. One of the many ways to healing after an abortion is a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. This retreat program is increasingly used throughout the world, and it's become a ministry of Priest for Life. The weekend experience is rooted in scripture and the sacraments and various biblical events are relived by the participants who, for example, are approached by the priest and ask the same thing that Jesus asked the blind man before healing him. What do you want me to do for you? Participants are able to share their pain in an atmosphere of support and confidentiality and to understand how their abortion has affected various aspects of life and to learn from the stories of others and to confess their sins and to have a memorial service for their child. For more information, visit rachelsvineyard.org. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.